We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Justin Graver here, alongside my co-host, Justin Mello, as always, here to talk about a schedule release. We've known the opponents. Now we know when and where they play. I guess we knew where, but now we know officially when they play. And we got rookie minicamp in the books to talk about. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to finally unpack this schedule with you. I know for our listeners, I mean, it's, it's been out for about, you know, just under a week, I guess, but uh, we never got a chance to obviously talk about it. So we're at a Monday uh, recording show, we go live on Tuesday mornings. Uh, schedule came out on Thursday, so we, we missed it last week by a couple of days, but here we are to, to get into all this goodiness. It's very exciting stuff. Finally get to see when the Titans play everybody. But before we talk about that, let's cover some Roster news. I'm going to start with the signing of Demarcus Walker, defensive end, second round pick of the Denver Broncos back in 2017. Will come in and be a rotational edge rusher for the Titans who will compete for a roster spot. We're not 100% sure he ends up making the team, but he'll definitely be competitive and maybe will end up making the team. We'll find out. And then some other news that's not as happy. Uh, Safety Jamal Carter, who had an interception in the Titans preseason last year, Uh, was placed on injured reserve, which I do believe will end his season because he didn't make the official 53-man roster for 2022. So he will miss the year. And then let's get on to some positive news. Undrafted free agent rookie who attended the Titans rookie minicamp on a tryout basis and ended up signing with the team. Cornerback Kenneth George Jr. uh, played six years in college, two years at a junior college, uh, Trinity Valley, and then transferred to the University of Tennessee, right in the backyard of the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, teammates with Theo Jackson, uh, Titans sixth-round pick. So what do we know now about Kenneth George Jr., who will be with the team throughout OTAs and in training camp, assuming that John Robinson doesn't churn him off the roster at some point between now and then? I mean, good for him, right? Like, What we know is it's really difficult for a guy to go there on a tryout basis and make uh, sort of, I mean, the roster, right? Earn a spot on the 90-man roster. Think about it. They had, what, 17, I think it was, undrafted free agents in there. You know, that between that and the rookie class, that's where their main focus is. These UDFAs are guys they really kind of track, you know, throughout the process, built relationships with. If you've been reading my interview series on broadwaysportsmedia.com with a lot of these UDFAs, you'll know sort of how these guys built relationships with the Titans throughout the process. And the Titans watch them throughout the whole way, right, considered drafting a lot of them. So to not even be one of those guys, you know, you're really up against it, right, to go to a two-day rookie minicamp. You got two days, to leave a good impression, right? That's not easy. So hats off to Kenneth George, about uh, just under 60 career tackles at Tennessee, played in, uh, in a part-time role over four years there. You said it about Theo Jackson, really cool um, that he gets to reunite with him. That's two members, right, of the of the 2021 Vols secondary uh, that are now with the Titans. So r- really great for them. Obviously, you know, John Robinson, I think, has always done a great job 
uh, keeping you know his thumb on the pulse of that uh, of, of that those local programs, right? Whether it's Vanderbilt, University of Tennessee, heck, Chattanooga, you name it. They've brought in you know guys from everywhere, Middle Tennessee State, of course. So, uh, really good job with that. Really excited for Kenneth George. Uh, it's really really great for him to have left such a good impression there. Yeah, so good for him. We'll track his progress on the team throughout OTAs and training camp. Be excited to see preseason action, but. A long way from that, we just completed rookie minicamp. The media was out with all the clips of of Malik Willis, Traylon Burks. We'll talk about what what he went through on the first day of rookie minicamp. But let's go through kind of all these players here and things that we saw, things that we heard from the media. Obviously, we don't get to go to these events being non-locals, but we can certainly recap all the things we heard in the press conferences afterwards and Everything that we've seen so far, I think, has been positive. Obviously, it's not hard to be positive this time of year. No contact, um, but survived injury-free these two days, which is always a good thing. Um, But let's talk about first-round pick Traylon Burks and what happened to him because he was barely on the field on the first day of minicamp on Friday, but he was out there for the entire practice on Saturday what did you make of this situation and what kind of background do you know about it? Yeah, it's funny because you said not easy to be, or sorry, it's easy to be positive, but I don't think it was very positive. Uh, at least the reaction was surrounding Traylon Burks, right? He had to leave that Friday practice. The issues related to asthma or breathing related, uh, maybe, you know, I don't want to say conditioning, but have you ever been in Nashville, you know, these times of year, it's pretty hot, right? <laughs> like, so it wouldn't shock me if, you know, you've been going through the pre-draft process. Of course, you've been working out and training, but there's nothing like a, a football practice, right? It's hard to simulate that. So for him to finally go through his first one, I don't think it's overly shocking that he had issues. Uh, I believe I read the same thing in Indianapolis with Alec Pierce. I think he had to cut short, uh, you know, and it's interesting. It's a division rival, another receiver prospect. Same thing happened to Alec Pierce out there. Uh, Burks came back on Saturday, was a full participant. Unfortunately, had a really bad drop across the middle on a a really uh, well-thrown ball. So that kind of caught a lot of attention. Uh, I obviously don't think it's a, it's a big deal, right? I mean, we're talking about a two day rookie mini camp. Sure. You wish, you know, he was able to finish practice, but if anything, it's probably a good kick in the the ass, right. And and sort of really realize what you're in for. This is a tough, hard nosed coaching staff. That's going to push their diets. They're going to work them hard. doesn't matter if it's May, June, July, August, it's going to be hot out there in Nashville, but the coaching staff isn't going to give them uh, much leeway. So uh, probably a good kick in the butt for Burks he'll obviously be fine going forward. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it, and I don't want to overreact. I think there's already been plenty of overreaction on Twitter, on local radio. Jared Stillman's going in on Traylon Burke saying that he's needs to he ate, he's needs to lose weight or something. I don't think it has anything to do with weight issues or conditioning. I honestly think he has asthma, and he had an asthma attack, and he had to go inside, and maybe that was related to the heat and getting out there on the field for the first time in a football practice, like you said, but... Overall, I think it's something we will laugh about the way we laugh about Derrick Henry struggling in his first rookie minicamp, um, looking back on it now. So not something I'm concerned with. They'll be ex- excited to see him get worked in with the rest of the team when OTAs start next week. Uh, next Monday is when OTAs start. Media is back out there next Tuesday. So we'll get some more clips and see. I don't know. Maybe we'll see Ryan Tannehill throwing to Traylon Burks instead of seeing Malik Willis. And it'll be interesting. But Uh, On the flip side of the receiver equation is wide receiver Kyle Phillips, who you noted in a group chat today looks 48 years old. Um, (laughs) And honestly, the clips I I saw of Phillips out there, he looks like a seasoned pro. His feet are so quick. 
Uh, Jim Wyatt notes that he didn't see him drop a pass the entire time. Um, he's not a huge guy, but he's quick. He ran a faster 40 time than Cooper Cup by four, ten, four hundredths of a second. And uh, he looks to be like a guy that could maybe step in and contribute early. I don't know. What do you make of the fifth round pick, Kyle Phillips? Yeah, by all accounts, it's kind of as advertised, right? Like, you know, reports where he was electric on Friday, essentially caught everything thrown his way, was contorting his body, you know, making great catches, uh, uh, showing great footwork, as you said, getting open. Of course, you know, this is non-contact and, and whatnot, so it, you take it with a grain of salt. But it's what you sort of expected, I think, from Kyle Phillips, right, to go out there and showcase that high-level separation skills uh, that made him a factor at UCLA, that made him a draftable receiver, uh, despite being, a, a, of course, a bit undersized, right, at five foot eleven. But I, I think this is a guy that certainly has a chance to come in and compete for, for snaps in the slot right away, right? So that's really good for him that he was able to, to kind of show out at rookie mini camp and, and showcase all those abilities uh, that you, you kind of knew what you were getting in, in my opinion, but it's important of course, to actually see it right. To see it happen. So I'm curious to, to follow this guy's path. You know, there'll be some interesting uh, debates there on how he can get on the field. And, you know, if Traylon Burks and Robert Woods are outside guys exclusively, um, then you're probably going to see a fair amount of Kyle Phillips in the slot. Right. But if those guys can move around, you know, Woods can play a little bit in the slot Burks can play a little bit in the slot gives you a chance to put Nick Westbrook on the field a little bit more, right, on the boundary. And that probably takes Kyle Phillips out uh, surely of those three receiver set looks, right? So really interesting, but glad to hear he had a good uh, rookie mini camp, uh, certainly. Yeah, very positive, encouraging signs there. I mean, it's not somebody that we're anticipating plays 90% of offensive snaps, no. but if he can give you 30% and play at a high level for those 30% of snaps, he can be a, a real contributor. What about Malik Willis? Can we get into Malik Willis? Because while we're beating around the bush here, yeah, everyone only wants to talk about Malik Willis, right? Listening to this podcast. So um, by all accounts, Malik looked pretty good. I think he's pretty happy, right? I mean, even Jim Wyatt noted uh, he got a stronger arm than I thought he did, Jim said, right? That's, you know, Tell me you didn't watch Malik Willis college tape without telling me you didn't watch Malik Willis college. (laughs) We're not going (laughs) to roast Jim, right? Jim is... Jim is a national treasure, certainly a local treasure. So we're not going to no do doubt. that to Jim. Friend of the pod uh-huh. <laughs> or a former iteration of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend of, we'll, and you know what? We'll bring, we'll bring Jim back on this pod, certainly. Um, uh, no, uh, but noted the strong arm strikes. And he made a couple of wow throws, right, which is great to hear. At the same time, uh, there were some struggles, right? He, he got picked off by Theo Jackson, who, by the way, apparently yeah. was all around the football on Friday uh, and Saturday. So that's great for Theo Jackson being a sixth round pick, a guy that I think we're starting to maybe wonder if John Robinson, it's early, but did he find a bit of a gem? No one thought Theo Jackson was going to get drafted. Right. And you, you hear how much they like him. You, you hear about him being all around the football at rookie minicamp, certainly intriguing being that, you know, playing that star position at Tennessee. He's a guy that's used to being around the football. So uh, he did pick off Malik Willis, who I'm going back to now Uh, certainly made some big throws, showcased that arm strength, terrific athletic, ability was also on display also showed some expected struggles with whether it was footwork mishandled a couple snaps under center you know that's a big transition for him through an interception through behind his receivers on other occasions so um, I think it was mostly good for Malik Malik Willis I might even say overwhelmingly good uh, for him with some of those expected struggles that remind you that there is a work in progress here 
Right. And it's all encouraging because it's not someone that you're expecting to take snaps, honestly, realistically at all in year one. Maybe a week 18 game if the Titans have their playoff spot locked up the way we saw Mahomes get in there for the Chiefs in his rookie year. But I mean, that's probably the most we should expect to see Malik Willis this season. So he's got a lot of time to to figure these things out. But you're right. He talked about uh, working on taking snaps from under center and just working with a new group of guys. But all the reports, all indications are that he was looked like a great leader out on the field, that he was managing the huddle well, getting getting plays in and getting his teammates out of the huddle. And uh, yeah, there's a few accuracy issues, but Jim White also noted a few oh my throws that that the tantalizing ability that we've seen that gives him such high upside that I'm excited to see him battle it out with Logan Woodside to see if he can win a QB2 job. I mean, this is an interesting conversation. We I think we'll get into more in the next episode, but how often is Malik Willis active on game days? Is he your QB2 next year? Is he an inactive QB3 kind of player? We'll talk more about that on next week's episode, but... It's great to see him out there. Uh, his throwing motion is a little bit low, a little sidearmy to me, but it's not bad. And obviously he has a strong arm, and I think it's more the inconsistency of the throwing motion than, and the footwork that leads to some of those passes behind receivers that you mentioned. But nothing that he can't work out. I know there's a lot made about how much can a quarterback improve his accuracy once he gets drafted to the league. There's the obvious case study in Josh Allen that's like the exception to the rule, which is that you can't improve it. Can Malik Willis continue working? I know you had a chance to talk with his quarterback coach, a coach he's been working with closely with QB Takeover with Sean McAvoy, and uh, he's been working with Quincy Avery too. But anything, any insight you gain from that conversation, which is a great article on broadwaysportsmedia.com right now that you can go read, that you then reinterpreted after the reports from this first mini rookie minicamp? Yeah, first of all, shout out to Titans fans for showing so much love on that piece. I was overwhelmed with the amount of uh, comments and uh, number of people who read it. I was really blown away by how well that piece performed. Uh, really intriguing. If you haven't read it yet, I'm not patting myself on the back because it was Coach McAvoy who brought such terrific content to the table, was willing to really be patient, uh, you know, sit down with me. I had so many questions for him. If you've read the article, we spent like, I think, 35, 40 minutes on the phone, and that's all showcased throughout the article. Everything that was said between us is essentially in that article. So if you haven't uh, had a chance to read it, uh, you know, make sure you do. Yeah, check that piece out if you haven't yet. Um, anything else on Malik Willis here, or should we move on to another guy that has... I, yeah, I'm going to get into Roger McCreary. I'm going to just cut you off and get into Roger McCreary, who's a guy... Uh, I like so much out of the University of Auburn. Uh, by before all you counts- start, before you start, I just want to say I feel like there's just no buzz on this guy at all. Like Titans fans are almost like forgetting that he even exists. They're like, who cares about this new cornerback? We don't even need him. We already got three cornerbacks. It's like, <laughs> settle down, Titans fans. There's this is a potentially really good player here that's just being, I think, completely overlooked. Anyway, with that setup. Yeah, and he's going to get your love real soon. Because if, if, I mean, if you're one of our listeners, I imagine you pay attention to rookie minicamp. Um, by all accounts, he was terrific, right? Again, it's a two day sample size, no contact. We get that. No tackling. We're not getting, you know, we're not losing that. But uh, a guy that was running stride for stride with receivers uh, on a snap by snap basis, which, uh, you know, to keep this short, I think it's what you can expect from him at the next level. Really good player. And, and Jim Wyatt made a note of how uh, Malik Willis tried to juke him out of his shoes at one point, and he didn't take the bait at all, right? So, uh, re- you know, really good underrated player that by all accounts had a terrific mini camp. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we're going to see more of him uh, than people expect. That's all I, I have to say on that. I Agreed. think he's going to play I sooner than people think and better than people expect. So 
I'm going to keep my eye on Roger McCreary. And if it's you and me as the McCreary hype train, because everyone else is so focused in on Willis and Burks and the more exciting quote unquote players, then let them take that. We'll carry the the mantle for Roger McCreary. Um, another guy who it's hard to, to say impressed or didn't impress because there's no contact going on right now at these drills. Uh, offensive lineman Nicholas Petit-Frere, who the Titans took in the third round, Ohio State product. Um, not much to say other than I was very encouraged by Teron Davenport's tweet about him staying after practice, working yeah. with the O-line coaches uh, on his footwork and and just trying to get more ready to compete for what could be a starting job or at least a swing tackle role this year. Yeah, you, you said, it. I mean, that's really all we have to say on him because as you said, no contact, uh, you know, no, uh, none of that. So it's, it's hard. What, what else is there for an offensive lineman to do right throughout this time of year? But I agree that it's super encouraging that he's willing, he was already willing to stay after practice, work on some of the technical warts of his game. If you watched him at Ohio State, you would have seen some of that footwork issues um, that he has, but really love the work ethic, as you said, and as he starts getting ready, you know, when phase two comes in OTAs, you start getting the veterans in there. It's going to be so important for him to kind of stick out, right, and stand out a little bit once he's working alongside those guys. So uh, really encouraging uh, that he was willing to do that. And it's obviously taking it. Um, with that said, I think that pretty much covers, you know, I know we didn't get into all of the rookies again, Chance Campbell, not a whole lot to do for an inside linebacker did show some good athleticism. Same with Hassan Haskins uh, did, showed well to catch passes out of the backfield, had a couple of nice runs, looks good while doing it again no contact, right? No tackling. Yeah. I would, I would, I would, I think I'd be spending a lot of time talking about Hassan Haskins if we had a contact practice, because I would guarantee you he would have ran somebody over, right? He's a tough right. physical runner, but without the contact, there's not a lot to say. Glad most important thing to me was he showed good hands catching the football. Cause I think right. that's one of the questions about his game. And, and he spoke well in his press conference yes. after practice. And, and same, same with the tight end, Chig, right? Chig Oquanko, yeah. I thought, uh, spoke, had a great presser. Ryan Tannehill's excited to work with him. Said that a couple uh, press conferences ago. Uh, the athleticism popped by all accounts on Chig. So uh, what you sort of expect to hear from him if you watched him at Maryland. So uh, excited for him as well. Excited to see him once we get into OTAs. Let's get into the schedule. I think yeah, that's enough about that. Let's get into the schedule. Um, really curious to hear your thoughts because I have a few as well. Yes. Well, we know we we have the schedule and we hypothesized that this would happen on our podcast a few weeks ago. The Titans will play the Buccaneers in the preseason. They announced the joint practices with the Bucs, so we knew that that was coming. Their other two preseason opponents, Arizona Cardinals and Baltimore Ravens, dates to be announced on those games. We will talk more about them as they get closer, but let's get into the meat of the schedule. Titans home opener, New York Giants, week one, Sunday, September 11th. A little quirk in this scheduling here is that the Titans play this game at 325 p.m. Central Time, despite them being a, a Central Time Zone team and the Giants being an East Coast team. This game's get the late got the late window. What do you think of this as the opener for the Titans? And also the, the scheduling time is interesting. Yeah, the time, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I don't love it personally, but I think everyone's got different preferences. Uh, I, I thought it would be a 12 noon game. I'm surprised it's not a 12 noon game. On top of it, I mean, it's going to be even hotter, right? Like you're going to playing in the middle of the afternoon. It's going to be really hot in Nashville uh, in, in early September. At least typically it is. Uh, I'll never go back to a week one game in Nashville after my last experience against the Colts in week two when it was the hottest game in Titans history. So uh, I won't be at that game. That's for, for damn sure, especially a 325 game. But I'll say this about that one is that 
no disrespect to the Giants, but you got to be loving it if you're the Titans, right? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's a great week one opponent, right? A great opportunity for you to hit the ground running, take care of business, start 1-0. This is a Giants team with a new regime, new head coach, new general manager. Obviously, they, you know, on top of that, they were not a good football team a year ago. Don't think they're going to be a good football team this year. They're probably going to spend the majority of the year finding out uh, who they are, especially, you know, finding out who Daniel Jones is as a quarterback as they prepare to make that decision on his future uh, at the conclusion of this coming season. You got to love Tennessee's chances of, of not only starting 1-0 and here, uh, but starting it rather comfortably, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you said it there, the fact that they have a new coaching staff, new, new con- complete front office there means that, I mean, not, not necessarily true because on the one hand, there's no real like film to game plan off of. Brian Dayball was a great offensive coordinator who obviously got the most out of Josh Allen and Buffalo. That doesn't mean he's going to be a good head coach, as we've seen many times throughout NFL, but it means he could be. And uh, it means he could get the most out of Daniel Jones, especially in a week one game where we don't know how they're going to use his legs. We don't know how they're how they're going to really get Daniel Jones going. So all those things are interesting about the week one matchup. I think it's easiest to talk about that matchup than it is any other like looking forward. You know, you never know who's going to get hurt, who's going to step up, who's going to be even playing by the time we get past the bye and things like that. So I think it. At this time, as we sit here in the middle of May, the week one game is the easiest to analyze and easiest to get excited about. But another uh, season opener that starts in Nashville, Titans obviously opened against a NFC team in Nashville to start the season last year, and things went terribly. I think people had a lot higher expectations for the Cardinals last year than they did um, than they do the Giants right now. But again, some team, there's always a team that completely turns it around. You never know who it's going to be, and a lot of times it happens with a with when you get that new head coach. So I'm not writing off the Giants, but I do think the Titans, as they opened, has heavy favorites in this game, should be heavy favorites in this game. And you, you look forward to the team having a great chance to start the year 1-0, even though it's not really about how you play in September as much as it is December, January, but you like their chances. One thing I'll say about that tape stuff you talked about, and I saw this noted on Twitter. You, you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, so we're not going to take credit for it, but uh, they're going to be grinding a lot of Buffalo Bills tape, right? Like you, you play the Giants week one, as you said, that's a new coaching staff. What are you going to do to kind of maybe get some ideas on the? You might watch more Bills tape last year in prep for this game than Giants tape last year, right? Because you really want to watch how Brian Dable is going to set up this offense for the New York Giants. And then what do you got week two? You travel to Buffalo for a Monday nighter against the Buffalo Bills. You play the Giants week one, you play the Bills week two. It's a whole lot of Bills tape to grind, right, uh, Brian Dable? And, and the Bills offense won't look much different this year without Dable. So it still makes sense to watch that tape in preparation for them. That's a game I'm really excited for. I'm probably going to attend that game, being that That's it's in awesome. Buffalo, uh, a fairly you know close drive uh, you know, a couple within a couple hours for me uh, to go to. But that's a really exciting early season one, although I will admit – I'm a little worried, right? They, they beat the Bills <laughs> twice uh, over the past two years in prime time. Feels like Buffalo is due. This is a really good early season measuring stick, in my, in my opinion. Again, very early, as you said. You know, December will matter more than September. Uh, but uh, certainly you want to see how you stack up against with right now, I think, is the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. Like if you go on a lot of these odds-making sites, these, you know, betting sites, they've got the Bills as the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So really good early season measuring stick for the Titans. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's in interesting. Time, national audience, ESPN. It's, 
Yeah, they got ESPN game against Buffalo, I think the third year in a row. The last two were both in Nashville, so this time you go yeah. to Buffalo. It'll be it's nice that they get that extra day to prepare, but so does Buffalo. And then you turn around off of that and uh, no, they don't have the Bills are playing week 1 on Thursday. So unfortunately, yeah. they're the team that has a lot of time to prepare for for that week 2 against the Titans. That's right. The season starts with the Bills at the Rams at SoFi Stadium. So, yeah, the Bills will have a few extra days, a lot of rest going into that Monday game. Maybe too much rest. That could be a storyline we'll, we'll possibly talk about. Uh, the next game they have is their first uh, 12 noon game. It's back at Nissan Stadium against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And something I want to point out about this schedule here. I feel like almost every year the schedule comes out, we look through the Titans' kickoff times because that's one thing we learn. Kickoff times and what week you play who. The Titans almost have a, usually have a schedule chock full of 12 p.m. games. This year, they only have nine games currently scheduled for 12 p.m. Central Time. That is a sign that this team is growing in terms of its marketability, watchability. People care about the Titans. That's what happens when you come off six straight uh, winning seasons when you come off the number one seed in the of the in AFC, despite all the injuries they suffered, so a little bit more national respect in terms of the schedule. Titans got four primetime games. There were uh, a number of teams that got five primetime games. I believe thirteen teams ended up with five primetime games, but the Titans are one of the ones with four, along with the Indianapolis Colts. Speaking of the Colts, the way that this schedule lays out, very similar to last year, but very strange because you, you expect that the Colts would be the Titans' top competition for the AFC South. Yes. You never know what's going to happen, but that's what everyone's going to expect, and I do think it'll play out that way. The Titans play the Colts for the last time week seven. They play them for the first time in week four. So they'll get the Colts. They'll play Washington the next week. Then they have their bye, and then they get the Colts again. So two out of three games, twice in four weeks, the Titans will play the Colts. Uh, first is at Nissan Stadium, 12 p.m. kickoff. The next time, or sorry, first no, is not. at Lucas Oil Stadium, a 12 p.m. kickoff. The next game will be at home, obviously, uh, also a 12 p.m. kickoff. So it's almost like the schedule makers buried the Titans-Colts matchups here in the like middle of the season during the lull. And both games at noon, both games in October, it's a weird thing that happened here. They always save a division matchup for the Week 18, right? It, for the last few years, the Titans have had Houston in that week 18 slash week 17, whatever last game of the season slot. This year, they get Jacksonville, who could be way better with Doug Peterson, with Trevor Lawrence taking another step. We don't know how good Jacksonville is going to be, but it seems odd that that game isn't the Colts game. I don't know. What yeah. do you think? I, I'm glad you brought I was actually about to bring it up. I didn't think you were going to. Just one of two notes I want to make on the schedule uh, before we get out of this episode uh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate, you know, yeah. it's crazy to me that they scheduled the Colts in week four and week seven. It, it really makes no sense. And it's, a, and in my opinion, it's a missed opportunity uh, in a way for the league, right? Because these teams could be playing for the division later in those months, you know, certainly at the end of December, beginning of January. I think it's a missed opportunity to not have those two teams, even if it's not the season finale, have one of those games in week 17, week 16, right? Like, right. it's insane that you're going week four, week seven. Jacksonville, you won't see for the first time until week 14, mid-December yeah. already, December 11th. Uh, again, a 12 p.m. Central uh, time game. And then, as you said, the season finale uh, uh, at Jacksonville uh, at week 18. So really weird. You've get, you're not getting Jacksonville till week 14, and you have already played the Colts twice by the end of week seven, right? So I, I really don't like the way that played out. One other uh, scheduling quirk I want to make a note of. How about this gauntlet? Yeah. 
at Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on prime time in week nine. I'm more talking about the quarterbacks here, by the way. Yeah. At home against Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos the following week in week 10. At Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers week 11, Thursday night prime time. Four days later. Four days. Yeah, four four days later. At, and it's at Green Bay, right? So you're at Lambeau four days later. Luckily, the weather probably won't be too bad yet. But And then what's next? Yeah, you got some time to rest at sorry at home against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So no rest between those four, no bye week. I mean between those four games. That is two road primetime contests against Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and two home games against Russell Wilson and Joe Burrow. That is one hell of a quarterback gauntlet. That is. It reminds you a lot of what we saw with the Titans last year when they had to play against the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and somebody else, the Saints, maybe, I don't know, in a very quick stretch, four weeks that were very tough, and the Titans end up going 4-0 that that stretch. I don't know if we see something like that again this year, but, you know, it sets the table. It is a wild stretch. And what's the game right after that? It'll be a pretty emotional one, I would think, for a lot of Titans fans because the game after the Bengals – is at Philadelphia yep. taking on A.J. Brown's Eagles. I wonder if A.J. Brown will be healthy in that game. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, wouldn't shock that- me if A.J. Brown doesn't play in that game, but I purposely stopped short of that one because Jalen Hurts is not a part of the quarterback gauntlet. Yes. I'm sorry. Now it seems that we got this new rivalry uh, uh, with the Eagles Titans fans, do, but I'm just being honest, right? We're not going to include Jalen Hurts. Uh, in that gauntlet of quarterbacks, but certainly that is a game um, that that will Titans fans are already circling on their calendars, right? Like that's AJ Browns. It's in Philadelphia, so it's not a return to Nashville, but it is the first time he's scheduled to play the Titans. There's a couple more things I want to point out about this schedule here. That's interesting. This is something you noted. Uh, one of the first things you noted in our chat when we saw the schedule: Titans play at home September 25th in their Week Three game against the Raiders. They then go on the road and don't play again at home until Sunday, October 23rd. So September 25th to October 23rd, they do have a bye in the meantime. So it's only two games on the road, actually. But it's just a lot a lot of weeks to not be playing at Nissan Stadium uh, there. Uh, it's only a two-game road stretch, but they have a couple two-game road stretches on this schedule. And their only back-to-back home games are towards the end of the season, week 16, Houston Texans, and then week 17, Dallas Cowboys. And I want to talk about those two and games. The primetime one as well. <laughs> yes, because they're both interestingly scheduled, but thoughts before we get there on this little road stretch between September and the end of October. Yeah, that's certainly tough, right? A, a long way, a long time away from home. Uh, certainly, again, it's only as you mentioned, it's only a two-game road stretch, but a whole month in between playing at Nissan Stadium. I will say that two-game home stretch at the end of the year, I think that might be the ideal time to have a two-game home stretch, right? Just in case you are, you know, battling for a playoff spot, battling for the division. I know one of those games is an out-of-conference contest against the Cowboys, but. You know, typically towards the end of the year, you need wins for something, right? Either you're battling for the division, a playoff spot, seeding, whatever it is. uh, I think you really like being at home uh, more frequently towards the end of the season. Yeah, that's true. And something weird about those two games. So the the first one, the week fifth, uh, the week 16 game against Houston is on Saturday, December 24th, Christmas Eve. The NFL has done a big scheduling thing about Sunday, December 25th this year. You get three Christmas Day games, which is weird. You know, it's Sunday, so you'd expect most of the slate to be played on Sunday. 
But that week, they're moving the schedule around so that they can get three big matchups on Christmas Day, dominate the sports landscape. Screw you, NBA, says the NFL. We're going to dominate Christmas Day this year. And so the Titans will play on Christmas Eve. And then the next game, as you noted, is Thursday night against the Cowboys. So they get one extra day more than they normally would before a Thursday night game by playing on the preceding Saturday. But it's their second Thursday night game. So the Titans get two Thursday night football games this year which is pretty interesting, pretty weird. Uh, Two games where Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be calling the Titans games. We very rarely hear Joe Buck or Troy Aikman on a Titans game because Fox usually has the NFC game, typically has an NFC game. Typically the Titans aren't even in the top window of game to get the number one broadcasting crew. So that'll be fun to hear Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call Titans games twice this year, including that Thursday night game, December 29th. I agree, man. It's a lot, a lot of, you know what, four primetime games, a lot of primetime games that you, you'd be surprised every other week. You're going to feel like, Oh, when did the Titans play this week? Oh, it's on primetime again. So if not uh, primetime, it's a a late window game because they have three late window games and four primetime games, which as I was saying earlier, I mean, that's, more than I can really ever remember the Titans having their final game week 18 against Jacksonville at Jacksonville currently scheduled for Sunday, but could be moved to Saturday, January 7th. Time has not been announced for that one. They'll wait to see what implications, what playoff implications week 18 holds before they schedule that game. But I imagine it'll end up in the noon window on Sunday. Yeah, and you never you never know what can happen, right? Again, if we if we previewed the schedule last year, we probably circled easy wins against the Jets and Houston and losses, right? Against the Bills and the Rams and injuries are gonna happen for all Titans included, of course, all their opponents. So We'll see what happens, but I, I think that adequately uh, sort of unpacks uh, the schedule. Last thing, we didn't touch really on the bye. I mean, we, yes. we noted it a couple times, but what does it mean? I don't like it. I don't like it. It's too early. That's what I'll say. It's too early. I mean, it's not – It's it is earlier than you like, and there's a lot of people that were complaining last year about having a week 13 bye so late in the season. I think that's a great time to have a bye. Like, it's tough to get to that week 13, but having a break that close to the end of the season to rest up and make that final run before playoffs, I think is helpful. Now, the Titans do get a little mini buy after their Thursday night game against the Packers, which is week 11. And then again, that little Thursday night game against the Cowboys gives them a mini buy heading into the last week of this of the schedule. So that's actually not a terrible way for the rest to break out. You get the week six by week 11 mini by week 17 mini by. So you get that rest broken out throughout the year. I think that could help the just stay balanced. But as you said, we don't really know anything about how this schedule is going to shake out in terms of difficulty. Strength of schedule stuff, I think, is way overblown this time of year. Um, any last thoughts on rookie minicamp or the schedule before this episode wraps? No, I think I think you bring up a good point with. Um, those mini buys coming in later in the year. It makes you feel a bit better about the week six buy. I typically prefer, you know, a week nine, 10, 11 buy. But those mini buys later on do help uh, you, you kind of cope with the week six buy. I think that's a great point. Two last notes I will say are completely personal to me. So sorry if nobody cares. Sunday, November 6th, Sunday Night Football at Kansas City. My cousin is getting married in Kansas City on Saturday, November 5th. Wow. I'm the best man in that wedding. I will obviously be there. I think it would be a crazy, silly decision of me to pass the opportunity to go to Arrowhead and watch my team take on the Chiefs in a primetime setting against the best quarterback of the generation. You absolutely need to attend that. What a what a fluke, right? Like, I know. You're, you're not from Kansas City. You're not living in Kansas City. You know, I mean, you're not from there originally. You don't live there now. So uh, what a fluke. Yeah, you, you'd be crazy not to attend that game. 
yeah, so we'll see about getting tickets to that one. And then the other game that I might be able to attend is Sunday, December 18th at SoFi Stadium when the Titans take on the Chargers in a late afternoon window. I mean, it's right next door to work. I can walk across the street. I'll already be there. I might as well head into that game and see what's up. Yeah, Justin Herbert, too, right? Great chance to see one of the greatest, uh, great young quarterbacks in the game. There's two fun ones. I'm hoping to make it to Buffalo for week two. We'll we'll see how that works out. Get to see Josh Allen there, uh, who who I've never seen in person. Uh, I'm pumped about that as well. I'm pumped to hopefully make the drive up to Buffalo and, and make that happen. That's cool. So three pretty good games for the at least half of Music City Audible to attend there throughout this season. And that's one of the things you look forward to when the schedule comes out is what games can you actually go to and where where and when are they and where will you be at that time? So glad that that works out for both of us there. And we hope our listeners are getting to a couple of games this year, too. I'm sure they've done the same thing. You've looked at the schedule wherever you are in the world and you've circled which dates uh, potentially make sense for you to get there in person. Right, and hopefully the Titans fans are still rowdy and loud at, at, like they were in, at least in the first half and most of the the game against the Cincinnati Bengals playoff game, even though it ended in disaster for the Titans. The the home team was like the home crowd was really rocking, and I'd love to see Nashville keep that up throughout this upcoming season. All right, that does it for this edition of the Music City Audible podcast. We went a little over the time we expected to go by about ten minutes, so you guys are welcome for the free extra content. It's all free. Um, make sure you're checking out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Mentioned the Malik Willis uh, QB coaching staff interview that was really cool with Sean McAvoy. Check out the the interviews Justin's been publishing with the Titans UDFA class and with Theo Jackson. Six-round pick is, is up too, so go ahead and check those out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Make sure you're following Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Last thoughts before we get out. A lot of UDFA interviews this week, man. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, as Justin said, you saw the Theo Jackson interview on Monday. Got more of them coming Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm trying to figure out the schedule of how I'm going to get all these out there. But a lot of UDFA interviews now that Rookie Minicamp is in the books. Nice. So that will be something to look forward to this week. And next week, you can look forward to another episode of the Music City Audible, where we turn 100 episodes old next week. That's that's the show. So we'll be back next week to talk. I think our topic is going to be, are the 2022 Titans, as we sit here analyzing them in May, better, worse, or the same compared to the 2021 Titans in May? I also want to get into some potential position battles to watch throughout OTAs. Uh, maybe a little early for that, but there are some ones I'd like to highlight. Yes, so we'll be back for that next week. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.